Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what's the hot topic for the past week is the elections. And so I entitled uh, my message today, Antidotes to Entitlement, with the idea that oftentimes as subjects of leaders, of governing authorities, as citizens, instead of thinking about what I should do to be a good citizen, we think about what I should get as a citizen. And that kind of entitlement is difficult when you are a citizen of God's kingdom because it's not about what we receive, but what we give because we already have received. And so when we bring that idea as a citizen of a nation, as a citizen of a country, we ought to be thankful also for how God has channeled His blessings and His gifts through our uh, current leadership and how we are to respond to be good citizens, to do our best, to do our part, and to be part of the unity instead of the uh, conflict. And so that's why I entitled it Antidote to Entitlement because this is the idea of Peter is to tell them, be subject to the governing, oppressive governing authorities. I'd like to expound on that idea more as we go forward in our message today. So the election results are out, right? And reactions would be different. Some are happy, particularly because their candidate won. Some are disgusted and unhappy because probably the opposition or the candidate dislike is the one who won, right? And so do not ask me who I voted for so that tomorrow we are still friends. <laughs> Do not ask anymore who your friends voted for. No. That's the point, right? It's very clear. So the timely reminder of today's message is to think again of the phrase, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Why is that? Because not is, uh, our idea is that our reaction towards certain situations around us, especially with regards to the elections or the, how the government runs, we have to uh, no, uh, think, what would Jesus do? Right? Because if our reactions, responses, or actions become uh, misrepresenting what a child of God looks like, then we are causing problems eh, instead of being... Uh, a, a part of the solution, right? When our reactions and responses are unlikely for a citizen of the kingdom, for a child of God, and it ruins our witness, then that would be a problem. That's why before we react or respond or say anything or act anyhow or post anything on the net, we have to think, how does this represent Christ to the people who will hear me, who will see me, who will watch me and who will see what I post. Okay, so we have to think of that. Now, it's not uh, being blind to the ills of the society. That's not what I'm talking about, right? We have to still pursue righteousness. That's part of our Christian faith. But we have to watch out that our reactions don't cause people to stumble or to see Christianity in a different light. Christians speak out for what is right. But... We have to also have the humility of Christ, how we respond. No? So, if you are under a leader who you admire, 
whether in your family, if you really admire and respect your parents, they have a contribution into your life or at the workplace or school or in any organization or church. If the leaders you serve with are people you look up to, how easy it is to submit or to be subject. But what if the leaders that you're working with in any of these people you dislike, right? Are people you dislike or disagree with uh, people who bully you or misunderstand you or say uh, ill against you or oppress you? How will you respond? Of course, it's either tendency is to retaliate, to talk at their back, or to do things against them, secretly or uh, uh, forward. No? So those are the things. So the question is, if you are dissatisfied the leaders you are serving with, how is this affecting your attitude and your actions and your words and your life? And if the people around you know you are a follower of Christ, how will they see Christ as a result of these things? Okay, so Ray Steadman, a famous author on leadership, he recalled a story that took place during the Korean War. Right? So some officers from the U.S. rented a house in Korea, of course, because they were uh, in the Korean War then, and they hired a Korean boy to do their housework, cook for them, wash their clothes, clean the place. Okay? So that was what happened, no? so to do all the housework. And so this a young man was a very cheerful and funny young man, and because he is very good-natured, the soldiers being bored waiting for, you know, that war to end, they started to play jokes on him, right? So sometimes they will play practice. For example, when he woke up, suddenly his uh, shoes or slippers are nailed to the floor, right? So imagine, you know, putting on your slippers and you cannot get up or fall down because it's nailed to the floor. Sometimes opening a door, he will just be surprised at the splash of water okay, falling down because someone had put a bucket on top of the door balancing it so that when he opens, he will get wet. And so many, many other tricks they played on him. Yet this young man, no matter how many tricks he had against him, he always just took it with humor. No, he just smiled and did what he ought to do. So after a few weeks, the soldiers begin feeling bad. Why are we so naughty and why are we bullying this young boy? Okay, and they felt guilty because he never retaliated and he never talked back. He just smiled and did what he needed to do, right? And so they met him in the main room and talked to him to apologize. So sabi nila, uh, young boy, we've been doing all these mean things to you. Aren't you mad? Right? And uh, we are really sorry for playing jokes on you all this time. And we promise you that we will stop doing it and treat you with respect. Okay, the bus sounded great, right? The young boy suddenly spoke no, and stood up with eager eyes. Sabi niya, you mean no more shoes on floor? Nail? Kasi nga ako, ano nga, hindi pa marunong masyado English. No, mahina pa English niya. No more. They assured him. You mean no more water falling on head? No more, the soldier said. And then 
he had a bigger smile and said, okay, from now on, no more spit inside your soup. Okay. No more spit inside your soup. So that's what we do, right? When we are disgusted with the leaders we serve under, sometimes, you know, we do things we ought not do to get even or to just feel good about ourselves, no? We don't do our best in the office because we don't like our boss. We don't uh, do, our, do well in school because we don't like the teacher. You know, we talk uh, uh, behind them against their back. We do things that are unright for a follower of Jesus. And so the same way during uh, the time Peter wrote this letter, right? Peter wrote this letter, he was in Rome, and he was writing to the persecuted Christian in the churches of Asia Minor. They were facing harassment and hostility frequently from the Greeks and the Romans they live around with. So they were receiving persecution, ridicule, and uh, you know, uh, racial discrimination from those around them. That was the experience of the Christians in Asia Minor. Now, mind you, they are also Gentiles, but they are followers of Jesus. So they are being persecuted because of their faith. So how would you react in such an unjust and unkind environment where the people around you, you know, do that, no? injustice? So very similar to what we sometimes feel living in a uh, you know, government that we dislike or disagree with in terms of their values and principles. So that's why in the first part of 1 Peter, Paul highlighted to the suffering church in Asa Minor how important it is for them to hold fast to their identity in Christ. They are now the new people of God, the new exodus, the new covenant. Okay? They are now the new kingdom of God. And because they, they are who they are, citizens of the kingdom, they are aliens and strangers in the world. And they have to be clear that they have to be different or set apart. And so it reminded me of the phrase, whose you are determine who you are. If you belong to God, then your actions, your life must reflect God. But if you belong to the world, then definitely your actions and your responses will look like the world. And who we are then determines what we do. That's why what would Jesus do is a question that we ask in our heart, right, and mind. If I belong to Christ, how would I respond and react? Now, after the, that uh, uh, reminder in chapter 1 and the early part of chapter 2, Paul starts to talk about the relationship of their suffering and their Christian witness, right? So that in their suffering against the injustice around them, they will all the more find clarity in the mission they will live out. Because primarily, they were to be channels of the gospel, messengers of the good news, okay? So before the, those who are against them, they have to be you know, the vessel of truth, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. That's what this is all about. And specifically in this passage, it's talking about the relationship with the governing authorities they are under. 
So let's read together, 1 Peter 2.18, together. Sabayang pagbigas. Hindi ko na kayo patatayuin, no? Walang talumpati. Servants, be subject to your master with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Again, servants. Now, may master slave nung time na yon. Right? Of course, that doesn't apply to us today because we are uh, in the age of uh, democracy. So, but again, we serve under people as well. Right? Servants, be subject to your masters or leaders with respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Such hard teaching. Now, because some, some people who are leading you, you really want to strangle them or to things to hurt them, right? But that's unbecoming. So that's why Peter says, no, be careful. Because he's telling us, submit, be subject, right? It means follow, give respect pa. Okay, give respect that they are due. And then do not be choosy who you will follow. Whoever God appoints, you have to follow, no choice. There is a need for a heart check for you and me. Because if we just let our feelings determine our action, we will lose out on our Christian witness. So there are three things I'd like to highlight today from the passage. First, we must realize as a citizen of the kingdom, we are no better than God. We are no better than God. We have to acknowledge that God is our creator and furthermore, he is our judge, right? So as we face uh, injustice in our society and difficult leaders or corrupt leaders, first and foremost, we are no better than God. He is the creator and the judge. So we can do, we have to leave to him the judging, right? Because all belong to him. Story goes that there was this young American student who went to visit the Beethoven Museum in Bonn, right? And she, she was so excited to see Beethoven's piano displayed. And so, she, so written there on the inscriptions where this was the piano where he wrote some of his greatest works. And so she asked the museum guard if she could play on Beethoven's piano. Okay, and of course, bawal. So, ewan ko kung galing Pilipinas to, so she, she <laughs> or France, ano, she slid money to the guard, okay, to let her play on Beethoven's piano just for the feel of it. Okay, so the guard refused, but because she was so insistent, makulit, nakulitan, then the, the guard let her do it. So the guard was on the piano and played the start of the Moonlight Sonata. And she felt, I have touched the piano of the great Beethoven. And as she left, she talked to the guard. Sabi niya, I guess many pianists who come by would have asked you to let them play on that piano of Beethoven. But the guard said, no. You are the first one. Even the famous Polish pianist, Paderewski, Polish pianist, a famous one, came here a few years ago and said he was not worthy to touch 
the piano of Beethoven. Right? So makita mo, it's a matter of attitude. When we are faced in this world, no, we, we have a tendency to talk about entitlement. But no, we are no better than God. No? So we have no place for pride and boastfulness. We have to think about our God. Acknowledge Him as creator and judge and bear the right mindset of humility. Because I have nothing to boast against God. I am no better than that politician or that boss or that leader who also need a savior. Okay, so let's read the passage together. For this is a gracious thing. When, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Okay? You endure. But if you do good and suffer for it, if you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. First, he is talking about a change of perspective because we're, we know we are no better than God. We understand that it is the greatest, gracious thing to suffer. Right? In the book of Acts, when they suffered for the name of Christ, they started to rejoice and everyone else think they were crazy because they had the right perspective. If I suffer for Christ, it's all right. I am honoring Christ. It is a gracious thing. So, antidote to entitlement is we have to have a change of perspective and we have to also have a change of priority. Be mindful of God. Always think, how will I react? How will this impact the kingdom? How will this represent God? We also think about the price to pay and the price that we will receive. When we face sorrow and suffering, we are looking after the hope of our salvation and that heavenly reward as if we suffer for Christ so that we can persevere to the end. Because what is it if we endure, okay, if we do not suffer? No? We suffer and endure. That is what is plausible in the sight of God. So what we need is really to have this posture of humility before our Creator and Judge, to seek His face, and to seek his kingdom on earth. To come before God acknowledging we are sinners unworthy. We are human who, did, who only need our king and our God. No? A young man was eager to grow in his Christian life because he was a relatively young Christian. I am sharing this story because this story uh, was uh, one of the things that really... Uh, uh, moved my heart a decade ago when I was uh, having struggles in the ministry. And this really spoke to me and I'd like to uh, pass this story on to you. This young man was eager to grow in his Christian life. So he got a piece of paper, made a list of things he would like to do for God. Wow, no? such a passionate young man. He wrote down all the things he would need to give up. He wrote down all the places he would want to go and minister the gospel. He wrote areas of ministry he would like to do great at to serve God. He was excited. He took that 
big list of things that he wrote down and brought it on Sunday morning not to put it on the altar before everyone. And he thought he would be feeling ex- uh, exuberant or joyful, but he felt empty after presenting the list. And see, so he went out, went home and felt maybe kulang. So he made another list and wrote down even more things. But what he would do and not do. And so he took the longer list and put it on the altar again the following Sunday. But there was no change. There was an emptiness in his heart. So he looked for a wise old Christian for advice. And this is what the old man said. And it was really wise. He said, take a black sheet of paper. No? Sign it. And put it on the altar. And tell God, Lord, whatever you would like me to do, I will do. Right? And so, that's the only time he had peace in his heart. So as a young man, I had that time also, I want to do great things for God. But ang kailangan lang ni God sa atin is to be available. Okay? Not able to be available. Not to do all the things we want to do for him, but to do the things he wants us to do. And it takes us to humble ourselves and give God our blank sheet and ask what he wants from us. Right? Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6 says, Acknowledge him in all things, and he shall direct your path. Okay, so that is what we want to see in us. Realizing we are no better than God. How do we respond to a hostile environment like we have? Second, we are also no better than Christ. No better than Christ. So it calls us to follow Christ, therefore, not only as our master, but also as our model. So many times growing as a Christian, a youth, and then a young professional, and then in marriage, as an adult, now I am close to 50. Okay, so I look at Brian and I see he's young, but when he looks at the other young people, he feels he's old. You're in the middle. Okay? No? And there are often choices where we need to choose whether we would like to fit in or we would like to follow Jesus. Uh, in college, I had to fit in with friends who have different values than mine, who would go out drinking at night, and I would refuse and be struggle whether they will still accept him as a friend. And then I need to, to make a choice. Do I want to fit in or do I want to follow Christ? In the workplace, it's the same. No? People gang up, talk about their boss. Okay? Every time, lunchtime comes, they talk about the problems of the company and the boss. And I have to make a choice. Do I fit in or follow Christ. If I fit in, I just do what they do. I gossip, I talk behind their back. And you can do the same in a church, in a school, or in whatever place. There's always this question. Do we fit in or follow Jesus as our master and model? And from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, let's read out loud together again. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example 
so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judged justly. This passage reminds us it is our calling to be like Christ. Because we have this newfound life in Christ, new life in Christ, new life to live out. It is, has to look in every way like Christ. You know? And it must exemplify two things, his character, and second is his priorities. Right? What, uh, what kind of person Christ is must be what kind of person we are. You know? Someone who hates sin yet loves people. But also at the same time, we have to look into his priorities. What is important to Christ must also become important to us. And so this is the challenge. How do I become more and more in that journey of Christ-likeness? And there are examples here stated when Christ suffered unjustly in the hands of the people he wanted to save. First, he did not commit sin as a result of the injustice around him. Do we or do we not? He controlled his tongue. Right? He controlled his tongue. He didn't speak ill. Right? Because really, out of the heart, no? our mouth speaketh what is in the heart. It just pours out. So if you do not want to speak ill of others, ang kailangan muna is ayusin yung puso. Kasi it's automatic. You will speak what your heart has. No? So check the heart. He didn't try to get even. He, de- he just trusted simply that God is the one who would administer justice. And that was his example. When he suffered, and even to the point of death, submitted to those who tortured him, who crucified him, but most of all, he submitted to his father. Right? And so we need to aspire to become more and more like Jesus. And we cannot do that if we don't spend time deepening our walk with God. No? Spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, spending time in fellowship and accountability. These are things that are necessary for us to be transformed continuously into the image of our master and model. And last, we have to also recognize that we are no better than others. No better than others. We are to see the others around us also as sinners in need of a Savior, sheep in need of a Savior, just like us when we have not known Christ before. And if we know Christ even all the more, right, we have to show mercy and kindness to those who need Christ. You know, the Old Testament religion became an elitist religion. We are the people of God, therefore we are to lord it over others. They became proud. When in fact, the Abrahamic covenant is they were called to be a blessing to others, not to lord it over others, to, uh, to be a blessing to the nations. They were to be the channel of God to bring salvation to all men. But because of that, you know, parang Chinese ganyan din, or Filipino, ano? 
pride, no? Pride, I am a somebody. Entitlement, exactly. And in the New Testament, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes had the same kind of attitude. They want to sit on the best places in a gathering. They started to be different, and that's why Jesus told his disciples, I came to serve, not to be served, to be a humble servant. That's the example and model of Jesus. Because if we have this elitist kind of mindset in our faith, then we become a hindrance for the church to love one another, a hindrance for the people to understand the message of the gospel. Right? And this is the last part of the passage. And let's read. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have come to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. No, it is not us what we did. It is what Christ did on the cross that saved us. It is for us not only to die to sin, but to live to righteousness. It is Christ's death that healed us from all our wounds. It is Christ who are, is the shepherd of our soul, the overseer of our lives. Without Christ, I am nothing. The Bible Christian, remove Christ, I am, I am nothing. We are recipients of this wonderful grace in Christ. And so we ought to be channels of that same grace to others. We have one Savior, one Lord, one Shepherd, and share one purpose. As a church, we are to love one another and be a testimony to those outside the church so that they will also receive this Jesus and know this Jesus exemplified in our life, even in our submission to governing as authorities, whether they are kind or unjust. So there's this uh, question that I saw that sounded strange, but this is something that we have to uh, think about as a follower of Jesus. Can a Christian, okay, can I be a Christian without joining a church? Or, can I be a Christian without sharing the gospel? Okay? And the answer I saw, ito yung sinabi niya, yes, it is possible for you to be a Christian without joining a church and, you know, be a Christian without sharing the gospel. Yes, it's possible. But, you will look something like this. A student who doesn't have a school. A soldier who doesn't join an army. A citizen who doesn't have a country, a salesman without customers, an explorer without a base camp, a seaman without a crew, a businessman on a deserted island, no customers, an author who have no one to read his books, a tuba player without an orchestra, a parent without a family, a football player without a football team, a politician who is an hermit, a loner on an island without people to rule, a scientist who does not share his findings, keep it hidden in the trunk, a bee without a hive. In other words, it is a meaningless existence to be a Christian if we are not part of a family who will love one another and bear the witness for Jesus to the world. 
Why is this so? The church is a place where we come so that we will be equipped and empowered to be a witness. So that together we can, through loving one another, we can witness to others the love of Christ. And this is very important for us to understand. We are no better than God. We are no better than Christ. We are no better than others. We are all people under the mercy of God and therefore we must reflect Christ in all that we do. Now, story goes that there was this old missionary who shared the gospel with this er, uh, uh, ano, elderly Muslim in a close access nation. And this uh, old uh, man who was in the Islamic faith received Christ gratefully and thankfully. And he asked the questions to this old man who shared the gospel to him. This must be relatively new because this is the first time I heard of the good news. And so, ashamedly, this old uh, Christian gentleman said, actually, it has already been around for 2,000 years. So this new Christian said, 2,000 years? But why have I never heard it in my life? And my ancestors seem to have not passed this information to us. Maybe it's because it's in another country. It is not in our country all this time. And so, this uh, old uh, Christian Sadly said, well, actually, it has been in this country for more than 100 years. 100 years, and yet this is the first time as I heard it. Maybe not in our city, or maybe not close by. Right? And sadly, the gentleman said, sorry, but it has been also in this city for some decades already. Then this uh, new, new, uh, new Christian no, uh, old, old person is a Christian now. He just received Christ, said this. Well, then we can therefore conclude that you Christians do not really believe in the gospel you talk about. Why would it take so long to reach me? And so think about those in your office who have not yet known Christ. Think about those you meet daily without knowing Christ. Think about those in the office, the workplace, the school, or wherever, or family, who have not yet made a commitment to Christ. Right? You are supposed to be witnesses to them. Will they ask you, how long has this been message been in your life? Why have I not heard it from you before? Right? And so we really need to pray for them, to care for them, and to share Christ with them. This is what we ought to do. And that's the reason we also submit to authorities and, you know, act to be a Christian amongst people because we want to maintain the sanctity of our Christian witness so that nothing can hinder us from sharing Christ. But if we are not sharing Christ as all, what's the point? Right? Because ano yung maintain natin? So that is the challenge for us as we think through of this. No better than God because He is our creator and judge. No better than Christ. He is our master and model. No better than others. We are on the same boat with them. We are just in the boat now. They are still in the ocean. And so we grab as many as we can and build a bigger ship. That's the idea. Or get more boats. <laughs> right? That's the idea. Okay, so let me summarize our application because 
God is our creator and judge. You know, we need to learn how to humbly seek God's face in prayer on a daily basis. You know, to report to the master daily, Lord, I am here. This is my blank paper. What would you want me to accomplish for you today? Who do you want me to witness to? How would you want my life to be? Approach God in prayer, full dependence in your work in whatever you do. No? Draw close to God and he will draw near to you. And because Jesus is our master and model, we need to aspire to become more Christ-like. And how are you exercising your disciplines as a Christian? Are they failing? You know, um, if you have the, our Essential Habits book, the introduction page says, Habits are not for you to do because you want to grow close to God. Okay, habits you do because God has already bestowed you the blessings. So you do the habits, you know, because you have the access. And why will you not use the access? It's like having a gym membership and never going to the gym. No? Okay, it's like that. No? So that's why we need the discipline because we are to stay in the love of Christ, to remain in God's love, not to be loved by God. God loves you already. He already sent his son to die for you. But are we remaining in that love on a daily basis? Okay, or do we have loving accountability to keep us in check how we are doing in our spiritual walk? And so if not, then we need a small group. Now approach your pastor, a small group leader. Find a group that suits your needs. Third application, because we are seeing others as sinners in need of a saviorship in need of a shepherd like us when we were not yet in Christ, then we ought to do pray, care, share. No? Make a list of names to pray for on a daily basis. You know, show loving care to them and share Christ with them. Submit to governing authorities even if they're unjust because we are serving God. We are following Christ and we are messengers of the gospel and because of this we ought to be holy as God is holy Christ-like and also okay a uh, beacon of light in this dark and fallen world so as we talk to people about the elections as we talk to people about the situation of our government or maybe as we talk about the leaders in our workplace or in different areas of our life, you know, how can we reflect our faith in God, our love for Jesus, and our understanding of what pleases God before them so that we can carry the good news? Let's spend some time of personal reflection. Let's bow our head, spend some time you know, to pray. Okay, if you have sinned in your heart and uh, grew weak in your witness because of certain sentiments and things that, uh, you know, you dislike, then come before God. A broken reed, he will not, uh, a smoldering wick, he, not, he will not snuff out. A broken weed, he will not break. 
If you are dwindling in your personal discipline, come also to God. He will enable you to draw close to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Jesus, as we come for our nation to seek your face and ask for your intervention over the affairs of our country, we also ask before you that you deal with us. Give us the mind of Christ for our country. Give us the heart of God for our nation and for the leaders of the nation. Help us to often be praying instead of speaking ill to lords to seek to be representatives of Christ before anything else. To really love justice yet show mercy. To be able to speak out the truth without being rebellious or angry. To be able to confront evil yet lord cautious about our position in christ as a minister of the gospel so we pray for the transformation to begin with us that in our personal walk in our personal life we will be subject to you so that we will learn how to be subject to others and eventually lord win those who are evil or unjust to follow Jesus. This is our desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.